Thank you, guys. It's a good day of worship. It's easy to be ready for Christmas with a day like this, uh, singing God's truth. I love the, the term hallelujah, and you know this. I've, I've said it before, but you know the meaning of that word is just praise God. Uh, it literally means, um, it's an ancient word. Hallel means praise, an ancient word for, for worship or praise is hallel. And Yah, the eternal name of God, Yahweh, praise Yahweh. And so every time we say hallelujah, we're saying praise Yahweh. And at Christmas, uh, we have uh, so much cause to sing praise to the eternal God. I mean, he's done something. He broke into the world when instead of having hope, everything was hopeless. God's people had not heard a word from him in 400 years no prophet had spoken. No new thing had come. Messiah had been promised, but if you can imagine, 400 years, this country has been a nation, our country, for what? 200 plus years. If you can imagine the generations and generations of 400 years waiting for the promise of a promise-keeping God, knowing it would come, but uh, walking through trouble and hardship and darkness and sorrow, waiting and praying, and then God breaks through. That's not just true of the people of God historically, uh, but it's true of you and me. There was a time when we were hopeless and waiting for God. We didn't even know it, maybe. We didn't even know that we needed God, what we were waiting on, but he broke in and called you his own. And we praise and we say hallelujah to God for that this morning. If you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, we're going to be in what I think will be a familiar story to you, the historical account of the angel Gabriel announcing the birth of Jesus to his mother, Jesus' mother, Mary. This is in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And if you don't have a Bible today, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And we have those on the table in the back, right back there. You grab that if you need it. Uh, they're nice copies of Scripture. I think it'll bless you. No cost to you. Uh, you just take it home as a gift from our heart to yours. This is called the Annunciation, the announcement of the arrival of King Jesus. I don't know how it happened or where it happened. It happens to Jesus' mother Mary. I, I imagine her maybe in her home, maybe washing pots or maybe tending to some, some crops that she's gotten at the market. I don't know what she was doing. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what was going on there. But he comes to this young girl named Mary. The angel Gabriel announces that something miraculous is going to happen. So read this with me, if you will, beginning in verse 26. <clears throat> in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, who the angel Gabriel... Not some angel, not some guy, but the angel, the one named Gabriel. This is one of God's highest angels, one of the few named angels in all of Scripture. In the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed or pledged, uh, that would be like an engagement to us, but really a lot more formal than that. A betrothal was a, a legal arrangement. This was uh, basically that they are married. 
but there is a waiting period, uh, according to that custom of a year before the ceremony and before the fullness of marriage can take place. And so that's what's happening here. She was betrothed to this man named Joseph. Everybody would have known about this. Joseph was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. She has to be named there, folks. She's not famous. She's not influential. She's not rich. The Bible has to tell us this is a girl. And hey, the girl's name is Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is going to be an eternal Savior. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. An impossible Christmas. The, the Bible says here, the, the angel proclaims that nothing will be impossible with God. But there are a lot of impossibilities at the birth of Jesus. And we're going to look at three of those this morning. The first is this. Jesus came to a place that had no hope of expecting him. Jesus came to a place that had no hope of expecting him. No hope of expecting anybody of significance, really. I mean, if you listen to how this is described here, it tells the story. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth was a nowhere town. I saw a sign the other day up here on the hill here. It said, Talmo, 11 miles. You turn on the Poplar Springs Road, there's one random green sign, a, a link, you, you see it, you know it, yeah. It says Talmo, 11 miles. It doesn't say anything about Flowery Branch. It doesn't say anything about the Brazelton. It, it, it says Talmo, and Talmo is what, 11 miles away. I thought, how did Talmo get that? Somebody's greasing the palms of the, the state guy somewhere. I mean, they got a sign there for Talmo, because Talmo's a nowhere place. In my, tent, my hometown, we've got a place called Onion Bottom. You've got to know where, you've got to be from Chattanooga, you've got to know Chattanooga, you've got to work in downtown, you've got to, to know where Onion Bottom is. Nobody knows where Onion Bottom is. It's, a, it's an outcast place, it's a rejected place, it, it's something that, uh, a place that nobody goes to. The population, the, 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 uh, the commentaries say, were mongrelized. Man, I don't want that ever applied to me, do you? I mean, it was a mongrelized population. That is to, to say it, it was a mixed population. They were mutts. They, they, it was, it's like people nobody wanted to, to be around because one religion had mixed with another religion and 
and, uh, and nobody knew what they were, and it was just a place that uh, everybody rejected. And guess who shows up there? It, it ought to be strange to us that the angel Gabriel sent from God shows up in a place like this place, a place like Nazareth, this place, a city of Galilee that has to be described to us, to a virgin betrothed to a man. This is just some, some lady, some girl. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. These are no-name people in nowhere places. I went for a mission trip in <clears throat> West Virginia several years ago, an old coal town that no longer produced coal and just hopeless and pitiful and poverty. And you can imagine bad health, bad options, no future. People would just be happy there if they could get a job in the toll booth for the state. We worked in the little downtown part, old historic downtown in a storefront that had been converted to a ministry for uh, after-school kids. Uh, great ministry, but you, you would be saddened to see, to be among those kids and to see the condition that they were in. Uh, many of them um, just suffering all kinds of things in their families, and, and um, there we were among them. And the man who ran the place said, you know, this is really a ministry for throwaway kids. And I had never heard that term before. Have you heard that term? I've never heard that term before. And, and it just, it didn't sit right with me. It kind of hit me the wrong way. Uh, throw away kids is who, the, that means kids that society has no use for. They're forgotten. They're invisible. I mean, in terms of how they're regarded and cared for, it's as if they're nothing. They're thrown away by everyone else except for this church that was caring for them. That's what we're dealing with here in Nazareth. We're dealing with a, a nowhere town and with throwaway, disposable people. That's who Jesus came to. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus break into this world? Why did God announce the grandest event of all time? The pivotal moment of human history. Uh, the greatest act of love ever to be heard of before or seen. Why did he do that? God is about to inaugurate the, the, the desperately longed for forgiveness from sin, the restoration of broken lives and to bring new life. And he's going to do it in the very person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he comes to Nazareth. The virgin's name was Mary. Why does he do that? Because that's exactly who he's coming for. He is, he is coming for the invisible and for the forgotten. He's coming for the hopeless and the helpless. He is coming for those that without him would have no chance of knowing God. And he lands on our earth just for that reason. And he's landed here and now for the same reason too. He comes for you and me when we are lost and hurting. And today, if you are still on the outside of this, if for some reason, somehow you have said, I know Jesus has drawn near to me, but I'm going to stay at arm's length from him. I, I mean, I've heard this story time and time again, but I'm not worthy. 
I'm not cared for, I don't belong, I'm not good enough, my sin is too great, my darkness is too deep, nonsense. And based on the authority of God's word, let me tell you, you are exactly who Jesus came for. And the ones you're praying for who are in that category, those who you, you've given up hope on, there's really no hope uh, anymore. Yes, you pray, and yes you, yes, you wish, but you don't really expect it. I want you to know Jesus came for that reason. Jesus came to save sinners. Praise the Lord for that. He came to a place that had no hope of expecting him. But secondly, he came to a people. Jesus came to a people that had no reason to be seen by him. It's very interesting here about Mary. If we look at her life and look elsewhere in Scripture to see who she is, she's a very young lady, very young. She's probably very poor. In fact, in the next chapter, she and her husband Joseph go to the temple to make an offering to God, and they take two turtle doves. If you read that in Luke, you'll see that there. Two turtle doves. This was an exception to the rule of making an offering to God. Only the very poor were allowed to carry in two turtle doves or two pigeons uh, because the, the, the standard offering was a, a, of a higher cost than that. Mary and Joseph are poor people, young, uh, this young girl, probably uneducated. She probably couldn't read. If, if she's like most girls of that time, they had no influence. They come into the town of Bethlehem to, uh, to arrive for the census where Jesus would eventually be born. They go to the inn. There's no room for them in the inn. This was a, an influence culture. If they had any status whatsoever, the innkeeper would have made a way. This is who Jesus came to. He came to people who had no reason to be seen by him. This mismatch here is noticed by Mary. The Lord, the angel, comes to her and he says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And she wonders what kind of greeting this might be. Here's what the Bible says that is going to happen through this little lady, Mary, that he's found. Read it with me here if you have your Bible open in verse 30. <clears throat> Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. This is to say that the child that was born in Bethlehem was an actual child, was carried in a human body. This was not a figure of speech. In her womb, her womb that uh, was a virgin womb, there was the, uh, a birth was going to happen. She was going to carry a son. They would call his name Jesus. This is an ancient name uh, akin to Joshua. In fact, it is the same name. Joshua, Jeshua, uh, it means rescuer. You're going to carry in your womb uh, a, a child, and his name is going to be just like the rescuers of old. His name is going to be Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne <clears throat> of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This angel walks in and tells this little, poor, uneducated, betrothed, lacking influence, nobody, that this is going to happen. It doesn't. The ingredients don't add up to what comes out of this. I was eating some Christmas treats this week uh, that somebody gave me. Rhonda Law makes, uh, I don't know if I see Rhonda, but she may be helping. It. Okay, there she is right there, Rhonda Law. She makes um, these incredible Christmas treats. 
never had them till I came to this church. Never knew something like that existed. Uh, Rhonda accounts for the 50 pounds I've gained since I came here. Uh, and that's being conservative. Uh, anyway, here's what they're made of. <clears throat> marshmallows. I hate marshmallows. I mean, I don't understand why they exist. I don't understand why pigs let that happen to their hooves, you know. And let, uh, marshmallows are just a nothing candy. I hate moon pies. I hate anything with marshmallow in it. It's got marshmallows in it, Rhonda. It's got peanuts in it, right? I'm not particularly fond of peanuts, right? They're, they're around. I know they exist. They're nice. They're, they make a sandwich with peanut butter. And it has peanut butter in it. Three things that <clears throat> aren't particularly great things. But Rhonda mashes them together somehow, and it is a masterpiece. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. Christmas candy's like that, isn't it? Christmas candy is weird stuff. It's the one time of year we think, no, we can't buy that stuff at the store. We're making our own candy. Uh, it, it's Christmas time. My grandmother used to take Chinese soup noodles, mix them with some brown stuff, and call them what? Haystacks, Right? Those were disgusting. Uh, they, they didn't. <laughs> but in this case, we're able to take what doesn't make sense. Well, the ingredients don't match up to the outcome. Listen, that's exactly what God is doing here in this announcement. He is taking a, this, this uh, town called Nazareth, a nowhere place. This little girl who, who had nothing to offer, nothing to present, nothing to uh, attract the eye of the Most High God. And he comes, he says, out of all of this weakness, out of all of this brokenness, out of all of this confusion, you're, mar you're betrothed to be married, you're going to be expecting a son, you're going to be humiliated, and your husband's going to be the laughingstock of the town for going along with this story. Out of all of this, God whips it together and does something amazing. Why would God choose Mary out of all the peoples of the earth to be the mother of Jesus? Why would he do that? Because the power is not in the ingredients. Praise God. The power it's not in what goes in. It could not be. When it comes to salvation through Jesus Christ, the same is true. None of us has what it takes to be saved. None of us. None of us has the ingredients that we might say, God, look what I'm putting in that he might do something miraculous with. No, he takes our brokenness, our heartache, and our hurt, and with the power of God, he does this. He puts it together and brings newness of life. We're born again to a living hope. We're born again to a living hope only because of Jesus Christ. If it were up to our ingredients, we would have nothing. We would be lost in the world today. Only Jesus makes that possible. But lastly, Jesus came for a purpose that had no chance apart from him. He came for a purpose that had no chance apart from him. I love this last part here. I'm going to read starting in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Of all the impossible ingredients of this, that's kind of the most impossible ingredient. She, she's going to expect a child... A, a human, to, a, a baby to be born from her. 
Yet she has not gone through a marriage yet. She has not been with her husband yet. This has never happened in all of time before. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible. Verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. How's this going to happen? God's going to do it. The Holy Spirit's going to be involved in this. The Most High, you know him, the Most High is going to be involved in this. Is there anything that he can't do? The baby to be born will be called holy, like God is holy, the Son of God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Why did Jesus have to come in an impossible way? Impossible. Why did he have to come in an impossible way? Because Jesus did not just come to be born. Jesus came through the manger, but he did not come for the manger. And if we settle at Christmas on just the manger... If that's the only time we give a thought to Jesus as a baby in a makeshift cradle, then we miss the whole picture. He came for the cross. He was headed from the moment of his birth and from eternity past, was headed to have his hands and his feet nailed, materially nailed to a cross. And to die physically and to lay dead for three days in a, borrowed tomb he would not need it for long because he rose again on the third day that's where our victory comes from we have salvation through the blood of jesus christ and we have victory for this life and eternally through the empty tomb of the lord jesus why did he come in an impossible way because he was going to do something else even more impossible and who has the goods to do that god alone we had our staff um lunch for christmas up here at smokehouse barbecue we went all out uh went to smokehouse uh they have a little room up there called mimi's dining room and it cost some money to have that room and uh we called up there and they told us the price and we sent them a check in the mail and we went up there the day of and we ordered our food and sat down in there and a lady came in and sometimes you can just tell who the boss is right she had boss written all over her, right? You don't want to trespass on her, I don't think. And uh, maybe she's here today. But uh, anyway, um, she came, and her name was Ray. Y'all, might, y'all probably know Ray. She's been in our church before and has a history here. She came in, and she said, who sent me a check? I thought, uh, Kathy. Uh, <clears throat> but she said, me. I thought that was interesting, because I, I, I mailed the check, and I mailed it to Smokehouse Barbecue, right? Not, I didn't know who, I just sent it to them. That's who the check was made to, Smokehouse Barbecue. She said, who mailed me a check? I said, you know, I did. And she said, well, I did not realize who this was for. And I'm going to tear it up. I thought, there she is again, using that I word, you know, me and I, you know. Clearly, this is the lady who can get things done. Uh, it wasn't because we were a church, by the way. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was that. It's because she knew Jackson. Uh, Jackson got us a free room uh, that day. But she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear that up. <clears throat> Later on, I wanted some banana pudding. And I said, can I get some banana pudding? And the lady said, let me check with, who do you think? Ray. <laughs> Ray 
gets things done. When you write a check to Smokehouse Barbecue, you're writing it to Ray, whether you know it or not. And when you call her name in that place, and when she comes into the room in that place, everybody knows she's the boss. And if it can get done, it'll be Ray who gets it done. The names that are named here for God uh, communicate that to, to Mary and to us now. Mary's asking a legitimate question. How will this be? I don't sense doubt in this. I don't sense a rebuttal in this to God. But what I do sense is honest, uh, an honest question. Uh, by what mechanism? By what me- How is this going to be since I am a virgin? And the answer that God gives her does not describe the process. It doesn't, it, we don't get the, the mechanics of this, but here's what we do get. The Most High is going to do it. And who's there to argue with that? This is the boss. This is the one who can get it done. He's got the goods to do the impossible. And listen, the, the, the testimony of the birth of Jesus, that God can do whatever he chooses. He can do whatever he pleases according to, to his character and according to his will, tells the truth about the cross. How could a sinless son of God give his life on the cross of Calvary and me and you be reckoned righteous? How could God say to him, guilty of mine your sin, and let him be nailed there as punishment for us so that we could be received there before God. As sons and daughters, how is that possible? The Most High is going to do it. The Holy Spirit will overshadow it. You see, the Jesus who came in an impossible way was the only one able to save in an impossible way. And the annunciation, the announcement of Jesus' arrival, this previews what he would do on the cross for our sins and what he could do on the cross for our sins. God's power at the birth of Jesus shows us his power through the blood of Jesus. And so at Christmas, we have every reason to worship God, to praise God, and to say hallelujah, God, hallelujah, praise you for what you have done through Jesus Christ. Yes, he's a baby in a manger, and we do adore him, as the song says. But really, if we look carefully, we'll find a God who came for us that's worthy of our praise. The saddest thing at Christmas and something that seems impossible to me is that God has drawn near to us through Jesus, through all of humanity. Peace on earth. He, 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 he has drawn near to us through Jesus Christ. No obstacle was too great. No cost was too high. God was going to come and love us and save us. And there are still those that as he drew near to us have said, no, 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 Lord. I will not draw near to you. You came to me, but I'm not going to have any measure of that. Don't walk away from Christmas like that. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, let today be the day that you do that. Let today at Christmas 2022 be the day that you say, yes, yes, Lord, you have loved me with an everlasting love. I want to draw near to you. I call on you to forgive me for my sins and make me your own. If you're listening elsewhere uh, in a different state or a different time from now, the offer is for you too. Jesus came to save. 
sinners. And so faced with such a Savior as this, what will you do with him this Christmas? Christian, I hope that you will seek new ways to praise him, new ways to experience this that we do every year, new ways to see him. I hope you'll pray to God. I hope you'll say thank you to God. I hope you'll ask him as we turn a new year uh, to, to make his presence newly powerful within you, that your life might be different than it has been before. And if you've never said yes to the one who gave his all for you, I hope that this year will be your day. Let me pray.